I'm Lopez. I'm Heath. I'm Graves. <laughs> and this is Books Between Sisters. So we have a new book, Something in the Water, and we are are we read the first half of the book, and what did you guys think so far? There's a lot to this book. Actually, there is a lot. So first, I want to know about your guys' days. How, how was your guys' day? Busy. Mine was busy. Um, we had... Our branch meeting at work today so um yeah just a lot of running around doing stuff i'm tired yeah fun stuff <laughs> it was hot i've been in the car for four hours picking up my husband's dad zach's dad it was very long yeah and hot and you went to Portland, right? Mm-hmm. Like a two, two and a half hour drive for you? Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Uh, was it busy drive. at that airport? Surprisingly, no. Hmm. It was, That's nice. Yeah, it was about average, I guess. Not like super busy, but not like super slow. Nice. What about you, Jazz? I worked, so kind of boring. But in between or outside of work, I have been, you know, working on our... Instagram and everything. And I'm following a bunch of writers and also the book community on Instagram is insane. And the really cool like things that people have, like their bookshelves color coordinated. And I'm like, what? I would really, that's what I aspire to have now that I've seen it. Yeah. I like, I really like the look of the color coordination with books, but I feel like it would drive me crazy. Like, like trying to keep everything in order? No, just because the way that my brain works, I need um, book like series to be together. Book series to be together. And gotcha. a lot of times, like, book series are different colors. And I also need authors to be together. And not all authors make their books the same color. So, I don't know. It would just drive me crazy. Like, it's very beautiful. I love the way it looks, but no. I feel like you'd almost have to have, like, two different areas, right? Mm -hmm. So, you have one area where they're the one-off books where you can color coordinate them. Mm -hmm. Then you have your series bookshelf or something. Yeah. So that it's not, you're not having to break up the, the series at all. But I'm like, man, just everybody has such beautiful things. <laughs> but hopefully, maybe we'll get there. I don't know. I bought a book yesterday. We went to Barnes & Noble. And, oh, that smell when we walked in was so nice. I actually felt really bad because I had to go into mom mode a little bit because Ashlyn had to use the bathroom. Oh. And as soon as we get back to the bathroom, it's closed off for cleaning. Oh. And Ashton is literally like crossing her legs, bouncing. And I'm like, the lady walks out uh, who's cleaning it. And I'm like, she has to use the bathroom super bad. And she's like, "Um, can you give me five minutes? And I'm like, 
you know, I kind of get a little snarky. I was like, okay, I, you know, I'll try my best. I don't know how much I can make a sick, you know, a five-year-old hold her bladder (laughs) might have another mess to clean up. (laughs) So, um, so the lady was really nice. She, she was really patient and she ended up going and drying, uh, one of the stalls so that Ashlyn could walk in and use the bathroom. But yeah, I felt really bad. I was like, that was my mom, my mom, my mom bear coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was trying to find Jeanette McCurdy's new um, autobiography, but it's sold out everywhere. Wow. And you're just seeing a bunch of posts of people talking about how amazing it is. Like it's really heartbreaking, but also really great writing apparently. And it's, yeah, sold out in a day, I think. Oh, wow. So, you can't get it on audiobook or anything like that? I am not very good with audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it. So I know that's Rhiannon, you prefer those, right? I do. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I can't, I, I like to have the book in my hand and reading it in my own head voice. <laughs> um. But yeah, they probably do, but I ordered it on Walmart and it says three day shipping. So fingers crossed. We'll see if it comes. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I want to know what you think. Yeah. Maybe you have to talk about it or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, that was my day. All right. Something in the water. (laughs) <laughs> it's like okay let's can we just get to business now <laughs> like let's stop talking about this let's, uh, i came here to talk about books <laughs> fine i just thought my sisters would care oh, about I what love i'm you, doing but i also want to talk about this book okay it's... i know you've been holding it in yeah. <laughs> all right well we have something in the water and um, just to give a little bit of a, I guess, uh, intro to it, uh, the book has a really ominous first chapter called The Grave. And it starts out with our protagonist, Erin, digging a grave for her husband, Mark. Yeah, and the author goes into a lot of detail about <laughs> what it's like to dig a grave. I'm a little concerned. Um, <laughs> she had a practice beforehand, obviously. It's the authentic writing. She practiced. Yeah, it, it, was very, it was very believable. Yeah, like how do you think it's easy to dig a grave? <laughs> I never really thought about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's digging a grave. We learn through her, you know, inner dialogue basically that she is doing this in a secluded area and Mark has a burner phone that she clears and uh, you know buries that along with him so obviously something sketch has happened and this is a flash forward because at the end of the chapter we're flashing back so that we get to hear the story now and it flashes back three months Aaron and Mark are celebrating their anniversary of the first day they met, and they are actually planning a wedding uh, that's going to happen in a couple months. Mark is a wealthy investment banker, and Aaron is a documentary filmmaker. And during their first or during their anniversary, they like to make these resolutions, kind of like New Year's resolutions, but they do it on their anniversary. And um, We learn from that that Mark has plans to focus on work, not to take away time from Aaron, but actually to give time because he's been so consumed with work. And basically, he's stuck in a company that's not really allowing him to progress. 
So they talk about how he's going to be looking, you know, for other work. And uh, they also decide where they're going to go on their honeymoon during this conversation. And they decide on Bora Bora. So jealous. So jealous. <laughs> that sounds amazing. That's literally my husband and I's like dream vacation. We are planning on going for our 10 year it's not going to be three weeks, though, because that right? is expensive. She was like, hmm, maybe we'll go for two weeks, uh, maybe three. I'm like, wow, what luxury to just like, hmm, I guess I could, we could do three weeks. <laughs> so right off the bat, you're like, these people have money. They have money. Yeah. And, you know, she's like, can we fly first class? And he's like, of course. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So anyway, so and Aaron even says she'll go scuba diving. And she had apparently had some kind of bad experience doing it. Later on, it's revealed it's because she basically had a major panic attack underwater. Which makes when sense she had done because it. Um, the ocean is terrifying. Um, yeah. No, thank you. Devin wants me to go scuba diving. Mm-mm. We went to Hawaii and we didn't do scuba diving. We just did, uh, what is that called? Snorkeling. Yeah. <laughs> and even that I was scared of. I'm such a chicken when it comes to the water. It's beautiful. I love visiting the beach. I love being tropical on the sand, but not swimming in the ocean. (laughs) Nice from a distance. Yes, for sure. Um, Mark is a qualified diver is another thing we learn at that point. So he's got a lot going on. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so anyways, he's excited because he's been trying to get her to go scuba diving for quite a while. Now she's ready to kind of take that leap now that things are changing in her life. You know, she's getting married. Her She's becoming successful with her documentary uh, career. And, you know, she's just feeling good. So while we're waiting for this wedding and honeymoon to happen, we get a little more insight into their lives. Erin um, is currently working on her first solo feature length documentary. It's her big break because she's been doing freelancing and it's following three prisoners during their incarceration and each of them have release dates that will happen within a few months. Talk about crazy schedule, planning a wedding, going on vacation for three weeks, doing this documentary, like holy cow. That's a lot. Yeah. Rhee, are you alive over there? <laughs> yes. Sorry, I'm like following my notes as you as you talk about the book. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so she's following two women and a man in prison. Um, really actually interesting stories. So the first girl or woman that she's uh, following is Holly. And she was arrested because she lit a bus on fire during some riots in 2011. And really creepy interview when Erin goes to interview her. She's very stoic, very uh, two-faced, I guess you could say. She enjoyed setting that bus on fire. Yes. Very, very scary. Maniacal, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and then Alexa, I felt really bad for this one. And I, I want to know how you guys feel about it. Uh, Alexa is also incarcerated she's has the longest sentence of 14 years um, because hers is involving manslaughter however it's because of an assisted suicide of her mother her mother was really sick i think it was cancer 
and pancreatic, pancreatic cancer. cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, sorry, her mom was just in so oh, much pain. They had checked out uh, assisted living and it just the way that it looked and the way they, you know, the whole vibe of it just she didn't want to put her mom there. And her mom's just like, I I want to end it. But she was so weak that she couldn't even, you know, she was asking for the oh, one morphine, of the drugs. morphine. Right? Yeah. And uh, she couldn't even lift the bottle to, you know, do it herself. So they end up, you know, having this really official thing where. You know, they, her dad and mom and her have this whole conversation. They record the mom saying, like, this is what I want. But the government had recently been cracking down on assisted suicides. And Alexa happened to be the next person through the door. Yeah, to, and so really, really bad timing. Yeah. Kind of a sucky situation. I mean, that's a that's a moral crossroads right there. Mm-hmm. That's a hard one. Um, not that suicide is, you know, ever something that I, you know, want anybody to do, but just, that's a crazy thing to have in your head. Like, you know, yeah, it's really, it's yeah. Hard to imagine, um, what, what that person is going through. So I do, I feel for Alexa. I do too. She's so down to earth and so friendly as Aaron's interviewing her and just, She's just ready to get her life going after she's released. She wants to start a family and just, yeah. Yeah, I loved reading her talk about her talking about starting a family. She was so happy, so giddy about it. Yeah. She just wanted to be a mom. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So despite the moral dilemma, if we agree or don't agree with what happened, it's just really awesome. She's about to get her life going, you know, moving on from what happened. Our third guy, though, he's definitely, uh, I have a feeling, going to be coming up quite a bit in our book. Uh, Eddie Bishop, who is a gangster, he was at the center of the largest criminal gang. Um, And that's really her ace in the hole because he's very, he's got a huge reputation, highly powerful gang that he was involved with. Um, Actually, the book even mentions that he was like basically British crime history. So you guys know me. I Googled it to see if this was a real person and based off of a real person. So not Eddie Bishop. That's not the name that I found. But um, the book said that he was part of Richardson Gang, which is real. Um, Wikipedia. (laughs) Wikipedia confirmed it. Um, But one of London's most sadistic gangsters or gangs. Um, they did really awful stuff to their victims. And there is a Eddie Richardson, who I mm-hmm. think is who Catherine Stedman based it off of. And holy cow, huge list of criminal activities, racketeering, narcotics, extortion, money laundering, loan sharking, bribery, illegal gambling, counterfeiting, hijacking, smuggling, labor racketeering, gun running, Torture, prostitution, robbery, and assault. Jeez. Just to get seven years for money laundering. And that's uh, that's not exactly what I read on Wikipedia, well, but in yeah, the book. our character, <laughs> yeah, he, he just gets money laundering, which does align with Eddie Richardson, who kind of was like leading some money laundering businesses. So, yeah, so kind of, ba- you know, it is based on a real history of London crime. 
But um, this got me thinking, though, um, because of the way that he was talking with Aaron. He was very familiar with her life. Mm-hmm. And um, he got that information from somewhere. So either he has somebody watching them, but it seemed like he knew things that were a little too personal for somebody who's just watching you. You know what it reminded me of? Monk. You guys remember Monk mm-hmm. and the really big guy? Actually, oh, that, Gale the Whale. Yeah, wasn't he in prison? <laughs> he was And he was, you know, the controller of the puppet of a lot of the things going on in Monk's life. So that's what it, I mean, people like like Eddie have uh, connections and can find out some information. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking that um, maybe Mark is somehow connected. Um, I, the only reason is because of how personal stuff that he knew. Um, why are you always so suspicious of husbands, Alyssa? It is. I think there's even a statistic out there for murders. It's normally either the, the, um, the spouse or somebody that, you know, (laughs) So I'm like, it makes sense. Nobody's like, been murdered yet. Well, Mark died, and I feel oh, like true. it has something to do with all of this. I mean, it didn't come up for nothing. So I feel like Mark, I don't know. I, I'm, yeah. I'm always suspicious. Well, I picked up on a, exactly what, a, I mean, they make it obvious in the book as well, but he quickly asserts his control and dominance over the conversation because he lets her know, like, Hey, when's the big day? And how's Mark? Or give, you know, give Mark my congratulations or whatever. So he's definitely done his research on her. Um, Otherwise, it's a relatively normal conversation. I kind of like Daddy a little bit. You kind of make him, I don't know. No, thank you. Not my (laughs) cup of tea. Um, He's being a willing participant, though. And that's the one thing that I noted that Aaron says is like, Somebody like that doesn't just participate in something like this without wanting something. So she doesn't really know his angle, but she doesn't really care because this is really her like big time break having him in her documentary. Yeah. Another reason why I was kind of suspicious of Mark was because it started talking about how they met and they both happened to meet in a nightclub that they don't usually go to. So I'm like, what are the chances of that? Honestly, like, <laughs> you both are at a nightclub that you don't go to ever. I'm sure that happens a lot. Mm, I don't know. I was thinking that uh, her best friend, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Is it Caro? That's what I was saying in my head, Caro. I think yeah. she has something to do with it because her, she said her dad was very, very wealthy, like millionaire wealthy. And I don't know, she's always sticked by her. She tells her a lot of personal information, even crossing the border of, you know, when her and, and Mark had an issue and she went to her, even though she's like, well, I don't usually do this, but she did with Caro. I think you guys are wrong. I don't think there's any connection. I don't know, because we haven't got to the meat of it yet. Well, his best, or his friend's name that he was at the club with is Richard, 
which I don't know if that was just the author running out of <laughs> out of names or because <laughs> I'm like Richardson, Richard. Oh, um, yeah. I think there was even another name that was repeated and later on. Um, so she's kind of doubling up on some names in here. So I was like, does that mean that there's some connection somehow or you guys what's going on? Have your investigative glasses on. Um, well, Mark is starting to kind of, you know, become a interesting character because we find out he actually gets let's let go of his job. So early we were talking about how he's looking for new employment or was going to be looking for new employment because of his company not really giving him any you know advances but his boss gets wind of the fact that he's shopping around and lets him go for it and so now we get a brief glimpse into some holes in Aaron and Mark's relationship at least that's what I was picking up on is I see the author kind of poking holes in their kind of the facade of how great their relationship is and how great their life is and now we're seeing the breakdown of Mark because he's like freaking out. He's losing his job. That's their livelihood. We see him get a little more erratic with his emotions. So, you know, on one one second, he's just kind of going off and really aloof. And then they're like super like, oh, you know, we're so happy and things will work out. And. Yeah. So, and, uh, connections are really important in his line of work. So, you know, he's meeting dead ends everywhere. Nobody's really thrown him a bone. Yeah. Um, Aaron even describes him this way. He can turn on a dime, compartmentalize. That's a hard word for me. Sorry. Um, he's in control of his emotions. Mm -hmm. Again, that kind of was another clue. I'm like, Hmm, Mark sounding real sus. <laughs> Um, one of the words that I learned during around this conversation was ignominy, ignominy, which means public shame or disgrace. So, yeah, that's what, uh, you know, as he's trying to get these connections and stuff, nobody wants to really take on his situation. Must have skipped over that word. <laughs> you probably did. And I thought about that as soon as I was Googling it. I'm like... I'm going to have to look this up because Alyssa is definitely skipping <laughs> over this. <laughs> there was a word, there was a word that I read today and she, it was like viscal, vis, viscal, viscally or something like that. Yes. And I looked it up and it's not a word that come up that just comes up. It's like the, that's like the action verb of it or whatever, mm. but like it doesn't come up as its own word. So I was like, this is so weird. But then it came up with like the fiscal or whatever it is. And I was like, that is, I don't know. There's a lot of words in here that I was like, I don't know what this means. Yeah. Did same. you find out what it means? I think so. I don't remember. <laughs> She's just going to leave us hanging. <laughs> she didn't do her homework like me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I didn't write it down. I was like, this isn't a word. Oh, yes, it is. Okay. And then Moving I just on. like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ignominy. Word of the day. Anywho, um, Aaron, I know, Rhiannon, you mentioned this. Aaron doesn't really have anyone to talk to outside of Mark, so she turns to Caro. Uh, Aaron's mom died 20 years prior from her car going off the road and going over some railroad tracks. I was like, oh, that's so scary. 
and really sad. Her dad just kind of had to move on with his life. Couldn't really look at her because they reminded each other of, you know, her mom. He moves to a different country. He gets a new family. He's not even coming to the wedding. So she doesn't really have family. Um, she's really, it's just Mark and Caro in her life, basically, other than her, you know, people that she works with. But when she turns to Caro, she, and she basically met Caro through work as she was doing her film, film work. Caro was like in one of the documentaries that she was uh, involved in. So she tries to open up about Mark's job situation, but it just doesn't go quite the way that she wanted. And it's funny because as I was reading it, I was like, man, just a shallow friend, it seems like. But then at the end of the paragraph, Aaron was like, that's why Carl's my best friend. And I was like, yeah, I was really confused. Mm. I was like, so you want shallow friendships? Yeah. Which speaks to Aaron. I mean, kind of gives us a little more clue into her character, too. But can I just say how jealous I am about her wedding dress? She got a custom vintage wedding dress that is like one of a kind. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> like, can how can I get a hold of one of these? Money. I know. You gotta have money. Always back to the money. Always, you know, that <laughs> stern, darn stinking green stuff. <laughs> um, well, Mark is really concerned about money now because... Um, you know, at this point, he's not getting any work. He even cut the honeymoon a week short. And this was another thing I marked as kind of a hole that's being poked in their relationship. Because Aaron has this moment where she's like, okay, Mark cut our honeymoon short. He didn't even talk to me about it. Should I be concerned about this? Yeah, girl, mm -hmm. be concerned about that. <laughs> you need some communication up in here. Not even married yet. Um... But yeah, and then they get in this huge fight and Mark is basically, he goes off on her and says that she's not listening. She doesn't understand the situation. He basically insinuates that Aaron is like mooching off of him, you know, because he's the one that pays for everything. And she's fighting back until he's like, we're going to have to sell the house. And she's like, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to sell the house. I personally am just getting about Aaron that she cares about money. Like that's, I mean, she does seem to care about Mark. She talks a lot about how attractive he is. Yeah. She does at points talk about like what she loves about his character and stuff, but I don't know. I just feel like money is more important at some points. I don't know if I'm picking that yeah, up. Yeah, I right kind of got the vibe that maybe she grew up um, with money. It talked about her having horses when she was a kid. Hmm. Um, so that kind of made me think that her family was pretty well off. Um, and I think it had said something like Mark maybe didn't, wasn't as fortunate growing up. So maybe that's kind of the difference between mm. them. He has a better outlook on money than maybe she does. Maybe she doesn't appreciate it as much because of how she was raised. But then I get conflicting, like feelings about that because when they fly first class for their honeymoon, She's like, oh, this is how the other 1% lives, you know, flying first class and getting all this special treatment. So they have money, but then they talk like they don't have money. And I'm like, you want to know what it's like not to have money? You guys don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. 
I'll also say that I'm very appreciative of how simple my wedding was after them talking about how expensive all of their wedding stuff is. That five-star restaurant, um, they were, I think there was a minimum of 6,000 pounds. Yeah. Which in um, American money is $7,318.85. For food For alone. Food. And I think it wasn't even, like, the entrees. I think it was just, like, appetizers and starters and stuff. I think it just had to total it. Yeah. I think altogether they had gotten the main dish. They skipped the appetizers. They got the main dish, dessert, and drinks or something. And then they're, the the guy had come out and was like, you guys have not spent enough. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a minimum. more money, please. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, and they decided to go with the, uh, I don't know, charcuterie boards. Yeah, just a lot of money. I'd love to be at that wedding. Not paying for it, but I'd love to be at that wedding. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, well, that leads us up to basically them, you know, going through their wedding and heading on their honeymoon. And here's where we start seeing some action. Starts out relatively normal. Uh, They're living that beach life. Water, room service, just living it up. Can I say one thing, though? She, on their way to their, um, I think it was on the way to the airport. I feel like this was a possible foreshadowing because... Exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay. Is where she said, somewhere out there in half light, out towards North London... Through locked corridors of sleeping bodies lie Alexa, Eddie, and Holly in bare, sealed rooms. Uh, she said, I'll never see about... Oh, why didn't I... I wrote it down wrong. She, she basically said that she'll never understand what they're going through. Hmm. I'm like, I wrote that mm. down, too. I feel like maybe you are. You were digging a grave at the beginning of this book. So um, I feel like there there's a little bit of foreshadowing on there. Also, when they get on the plane, I've never heard of a, a plane giving you pajamas. Yeah, that's first class, man. I w- Especially I... those international airplanes, you know, where you're flying for hours and hours. First class, they, you get a bed. You know how the attendant was like, tell me when you're ready for a nap. And she made a bed for her and she had this whole, you know, wall that went up between her and, and Mark as she's taking her nap. Class, I would love. Bougie. Yeah, that is the dream. Something I will never experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never even go to Bora Bora, Alyssa. Oh, well, you don't know that. I No, I do know that. Well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to pay for me. <laughs> My husband's not going to. Aw. <laughs> Come on, Zach. <laughs> um, yes, that's a, a good... I don't even think I remember that line. So that's, yeah, definitely some foreshadowing. But yeah, now they're in Bora Bora. And, and a storm is coming. Yeah. A huge storm where I'm like, these people are running out into the storm. Get It just made me think of a Day After Tomorrow movie where there's those huge storms and the tornadoes and somebody gets whacked and <laughs> 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 the billboard. <laughs> the 
the newscaster. That's all I could think about. I'm like, they're just running out into this wild wind and somebody's about to get killed by a billboard. Right? I know. That was crazy. I'm like, why would you like, why is that even something that you would have thought to do? Yeah. I'm not about to go out in the storm. Nope. Especially if the locals are telling you to stay inside. Exactly. If you see nobody else out there, yeah, no, I'm not going out there. But they do. And they lived, I guess, to tell the story. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they there's this huge storm. And then the next day, it's pretty calm. So they end up going and doing their scuba diving that they had planned to go do. This is where I was like, yeah, this is another check in my box as to why this is not something I would ever be doing. Because Mark is briefing her about all these different sharks that could be in the water that they could see. And I'd be like, nope, I'm out. Yeah, I literally, <laughs> no. as I was reading it, it said abandoned abandoned desert island. Nope. <laughs> um, an hour out. Nope. Sharks. Nope. I'm out. I'm, I'm completely out at this point. <laughs> the list just kept going on. Like, I'm like, yes, all the no sharks way. he was talking about. The tiger shark. Um, he talked about, let's see, there was the gray shark, the lemon, lem- shark. lemon shark, white tip, Mm-mm, silver tip, tip, stingrays, turtles, um, all of that just in that one spot that they were in. Like, I'm not okay at this point. No. I, reading it, I was I was not okay. Well, and it's funny because, you know, the book's called Something in the Water. So I'm like, well, this is a shark book. Like, <laughs> that's what they're finding is a shark in the water. Oh, gosh. Um, but it's not. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of interesting reading that part, though, because last weekend, uh, Devin, Ashlyn, and I went to, uh, oh, gosh, I can't even remember the name of the place, but it's downtown Olympia. It's this uh, place that talk, it's for um, the water. They talk about different sharks. and But it was really cool because they put on this free event where you go and it was like their shark day or shark event. And did you know that there's like, I, I can't remember the exact number. I think it was 13 different shark species that have been found in the Puget Sound. Mm. yeah <laughs> no <laughs> I was like oh <laughs> no thank you <laughs> mm-hmm. no oh uh, yeah I mean it was really interesting I'm just like yeah no won't catch me in the water then <laughs> mm-hmm. so definitely would not be doing that in a tropical island area yeah well first off you would have never got me in the water but as they're going down diving deeper and mark says wait i would have lost it (laughs) this woman has suffered from a panic attack in the Mm -hmm. past and he's like wait and she's like what (laughs) yeah yeah that whole chapter was not okay with me um he says something about looking down and i was like no yeah Mm mm-hmm I for sure thought that they were going to find a creature in the water. And that's why he was saying, wait and be still. Right. And I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, they do see sharks, but, you know, and I know there's that whole uh, stigma stigma against sharks because of Jaws and just other movies that are out there. And sharks really aren't that aggressive. But I still don't know if I could do that. Be swimming among all those different sharks that they said were down there. Yeah, 
like yeah. she said, risking limbs. They can they can turn at you at any time. Mm. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. So they go do that dive, and I might be getting this a little out of order, but we'll get to what they end up finding. But another Eddie Bishop thing comes up in the book because Eddie sends some wine and a note talking about congratulations on the nuptials. Here's some nice wine. Uh, He had tried to call the other week, but he wasn't able to speak freely. So, you know, he's going to be talking to her soon. So, again, he knows where she's at. Yeah, and she, she lies to Mark about who the champagne is from. Yeah. And... I don't know. That was, to me, that was frustrating because they kind of go back and forth lying to each other <laughs> about things. And I'm like, you know, you got mad about the other person lying to you and then you turn around and, <laughs> and lied to them. So that was a little so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And especially because they're supposed to have this really close relationship where they talk to each other about everything. And there's obviously cracks starting to. Yeah get put in their relationship so um the holes yeah there's a lot of moments where i was just like don't keep it from the other person that's how it always goes yeah (laughs) um but yeah um they went out a couple times scuba diving so i feel like it was the second time that they went out when they were coming back from scuba diving and aaron falls asleep but she wakes up and it's to mark slowing the boat down and they aren't back at the island, the Bora Bora Island. But she sees a bunch of papers floating in the water. And she tries to pick some up, but it's so saturated with water that you can't really... I mean, the ink is just all over the place. You can't read any information on it. And then there's a thunk, thunk, thunk on their boat. Again, I was not okay during this part. <laughs> what did you think it was? I thought maybe a dead body because that's what i thought yeah i was yeah i was like nope i need to stop (laughs) reading this right now i can't handle this well and they actually think that too so they pull this duffel bag out of the water and that's basically aaron's first thought like Mm -hmm. is there a body in here Mm -hmm. but somehow they rule that out i don't know why oh because the the sharks sharks. yeah Yeah. because the sharks they're like the sharks definitely would have got to this already So they decide that they're going to take the bag back with them, turn it in at the hotel, and they do that. They turn it in at the hotel, but then the next day, the bag is back in their hotel. So I don't really understand the story there, like what the hotel people were thinking. But um, And that's why I kind of, it just made me a little bit more suspicious of Mark, because I think he was the one who was supposed to turn it in or said that he turned it in. So mm. I don't know. I don't know. Again, just all these clues. Mark how did it end up on suspicious. their boat? It didn't end. I thought it ended up back in their room. Well, I mean, like, how would he have concocted having it in the middle of the ocean, like thumping against their boat? That's true. I don't know. Maybe he has a... Somebody who's in on it with him. Somebody was scuba diving underneath the water. <laughs> He's like, stop where the paper is and I'll thunk this against your Well, she was asleep. So if they got close, he was just like, now and then get out of here. <laughs> I don't know. That would be wild. 
Um, well, anywho, it ends up back in their hotel. And so they just kind of, you know, don't really know what to do with it. They decide that they're going to try to give it to the scuba dive gu- diver guy that was helping them. Um, but they end up going to this dinner or this like performance that's happening, this entertainment that's happening at the hotel. They drink a, like a lot and go back to the hotel and basically a blackout night apparently because, you know, they wake up the next morning, the room is trashed. And they start off by drinking the champagne from Eddie. Like they weren't <laughs> drunk at this point. They, they, well, Mark doesn't know, but why would you drink the champagne yeah. that he sent? It's a little sketch, but at, they also did drink a lot at the entertainment. Yeah. But I don't know. But they end up ripping a hole in the duffel bag because their drunk selves just wanted to know what was inside. And they did, weren't very successful because they were drunk. So the next day they're like, well, you know, sh- you know, there's already a hole in it. Should we just, you know, make a bigger one, see what's inside? And they do. And lo and behold, they find tons of cash. Yep. I can't remember. Bundles um, of lot. Uh, there was ten thousand pounds each. Yeah, amounting to a million. I don't million pounds. I don't remember them. Is that what they said? I I remember it saying that there's a lot of bundles, but I don't remember it saying how many. Yeah, specifically there were. But not only that, there's diamonds, mm-hmm. bags of diamonds, and a gun and an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so in the USB. Did you already say that? No, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. So <laughs> they find this, they find all this stuff, and now they're like, well, crap. Do we turn it in? And this is where I'm just like, man, you could have saved yourself so much trouble if you just would have at that point been like, okay, we need to turn this into the police. Mm-hmm. But no, no, no. Not when that much money is involved. A crisis of morality again, I guess, because you're like, hmm, I could turn this in. I want to be a good person, but, you know, it's a lot somebody lost it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People, People's uh, personality change when there's that much money on the mm-hmm. line. Yeah. Also, I learned something new, flotsam and jetsam. Yeah, and it's not from um, The Little Mermaid, no. so, <laughs> which was my initial. You're like, what? I was like, what does The Little Mermaid have to do with this book? <laughs> it's turning into a Disney book. Flotsam and Jetsam were the ones behind it. <laughs> Ursula See, told them to bring the bag. Somebody. <laughs> He's like, Flotsam, Jetsam, now. <laughs> She's sleeping. <laughs> Um, no, actually, flotsam and jetsam apparently is terms used for maritime. Again, I'm going to get this confused, but flotsam was when somebody accidentally loses something overboard. And jetsam is when they purposely throw it overboard. So there's a difference on if you can keep it or if the original owner can come and claim it. Yeah, and I thought one of them specifically had to do with, like, shipwreck. Yeah, something. Yeah. I just remember, like, throwing it overboard or, yeah, shipwreck, Mm -hmm. and you lose it because of that. So now they're like, well, is this flotsam or jetsam? I'm like, 
if it, you know, it doesn't matter, go get some help with it and then they can figure that out for you. But they don't. Mm-mm. So they're trying to figure out what to do at this point. And this is where I'm like, you guys are going to get tracked because she's Googling all this stuff on their computer. She's looking stuff up on her iPhone and if so, you know, somebody involved with that much money, diamonds, guns and things, um, they're going to be able to, you know, hack into your stuff or something and find out who has possession of their stuff that they want. That's why it's always better to turn stuff in and try to do stuff on your own and get yourself in trouble. Yeah, but it gets worse. Mm. She takes the phone that was in the bag the phone had been turned off or dead and her and mark had decided like no we're not going to turn it on but aaron just decides to go behind mark's back so another time where you know they're kind of lying to each other and she goes and she covers her bases so she's like i'm not going to be an idiot and do this on my computer i'm going to go and do it on a public computer in the hotel and she's like Googling all this stuff. And uh, she also charges the iPhone to wake it up. And her idea is as soon as it wakes up, I'm going to throw it into airplane mode. But I'm like, as soon as you turn it on, it's going to ping, right? It's going to ping against a tower. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But she turns it on and she's looking through text messages. She's, you know, obviously this is involved in some kind of deal that's going down. And she's seeing that from the text messages. And she's opening them, and on iPhone, when you open and you have red receipts on, it sends a red message. I knew it. I knew it as I was reading it. I was like, she opened the message, and I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. And so then she starts seeing some those three dots of somebody typing, and they're like, where are you? Like, Because they were expected, you know, a couple days ago. And she responds. She writes back. <laughs> I was like, Why? Why would you respond? And then immediately freaks out. So at this point, I'm like, okay, so Mark told you not to touch the phone. You touch the phone. You get yourself in trouble. And then immediately, like, I need Mark's help. (laughs) I was like, what is going through your brain right now? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah. So... The person had messaged, where have you been? That's what, that's what the person said. And she's like, oh, shoot. They can see that I read it. It's going to be suspicious if I don't write back. And so she writes back, redirected flight, unavailable for a transaction. Which, why? Like, <laughs> that's not, that's not uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> And the person immediately knows that it's not who he's trying to talk to, or he or she, I guess, is trying to talk to. And they're like, who is this? And she like, that's when she freaks out. She's like, crap, I made a mistake. Mm. Yep. Oh, Aaron. So she goes and tells Mark that she did this. He's obviously upset and he's like, okay, we have to like figure this out now because they're on to the fact that somebody that shouldn't have this money, diamonds, gun, phone, USB has it. So, but we didn't talk about prior to this happening, they actually went back to the scene 
where they found the phone. Oh, yes, you're right. Oh, yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they go down again. Um, and um, Aaron freaks out because that's that. this is the part what, what we was talking about where Mark tells her to wait and then he tells her to look down. And, uh, yeah, and she, she, at first she's like, no, I don't think I will. Um, and then she looks down and there is a plane Mm -hmm. at the bottom. She obviously freaks out and Mm -hmm. tries to swim up really fast and he stops her because that's very dangerous. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So then Mark goes down by himself and, um, they did notice that, uh, the doors were not open. They look like they didn't even attempt to open them, um, which was interesting. Um, so when Mark went down there, obviously there were people in it and he said, there's two pilots, a woman and two other men, I believe. Um, Russian. Yes. Russian. And Mark said, uh, they're not good people because of the things that they had with them. But he doesn't explain too much about that. But he, he tells Aaron not to feel bad about having taking the money um, because they weren't good people, which was kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. They're bad. Like, they don't need the money. Yeah. They were bad people. <laughs> yeah. I, can't I mean, even they're imagine. also dead, so they definitely I don't mean, need the money. So. Yeah. But can you imagine swimming down? Ugh. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. I probably would have done the same thing Aaron did, um, even though that is very dangerous. But I would have just been like, I need out. Like That's why I'm convinced I would just die in the water, mm-hmm. either shark or if I'm scuba diving way too deep and a shark comes up to me or something like that with that airplane. I would be swimming all the way up and then I'd be dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you are not faster than them. I know that. That's why I don't. Well, no, not only that, but, you know, the, what is it? Like the compression or something oh, yes. when you swim up too fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anywho, they make really bad decisions at this point, I feel like. So, they're thinking it through like, okay, if these people are coming after us, what how would they be able to track us down? And Aaron basically says, well, there's no CCTV in the room that I was in. However, they would see that I was walking in and walking out around the same time that these messages happened. And so they decide that they have to erase the CCTV footage from the hotel. So then they go down to the lobby. She fakes having food poisoning to get Which, the receptionist away. I'm really glad they went with plan B because plan A of them, they were saying that they were going to um, sneak into uh, the back room to see if that's where the they, the footage would be. Um, and I'm like, okay, so if you do that, then you're going to also have to uh, delete the footage of you sneaking in to delete the footage. So plan B was definitely better. Um, somebody actually taking them into the back room. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of glad that, you know, plan A didn't quite work out for them. Yeah. It wasn't that smart. Yeah. But, um, I feel bad for the receptionist. Mark was pretty mean to her for no reason. I mean, they had to do it to get their plan to work, but basically just a lot of complaints about, you know, they aren't being taken care of and she's got food poisoning and just lots of, you know, Mark's playing the bad cop. And then, 
uh, Aaron is playing the good cop. So once they get into that room, they see that that's where the CTV stuff is. And Aaron's like, hey, you know, can I have some tea? So that gets rid of the receptionist. And Aaron jumps up, goes, erases the CCTV stuff. She even thinks to stop and go to the full of the file cabinet Mm -hmm. and pull out their IDs and all of their like stuff that they have on file with the hotel. And then they end up going back to the hotel, uh, their hotel room and realizing, oh, crap. There's not only, you know, this paper trail, there's also we're in the computer of the hotel. So then Mark goes on his own and we don't know how he did this, but he ended up going and being able to change all their names, emails, addresses and all of that. Which I thought was interesting because um, I was like, you changed your name and all that. But what if you check out and the same lady who helped you was the one that was helping you check out? But you check out under a different name now. Yeah, I don't know that. But they didn't really address that. But I was just like that. I felt I felt like that was a bad plan, too. But I guess it ended up working out for them. I guess so. Yeah. So they end up, you know, leaving early because they're still worried that, you know, now those people on the other end of the phone are on their way. Also, they gave uh, the the front desk lady, a $500 tip. So I definitely need to get a job at a five-star resort because <laughs> if that's the tip that you're getting per, per, uh, client, like, yeah, it's real yeah, nice. That, that was crazy to me. Yeah. But yeah, they end up leaving early cause they're worried about the people being on their way. And as they're you know, driving or not driving, flying home and stuff, they are having conversation or they end up having a conversation about, you know, are we going to keep it? And of course they rationalize, yes, (laughs) we're going to keep it. Um, they also still have the burner phone and like, why I would have dumped it in between flights. Yeah. They dumped the gun, but they kept the burner phone, which makes no sense. Yeah. Like, what do you need it for? I don't know. But I wrote down a question for you guys. So I said, do you think Mark and Aaron rationalized not going to the police because subconsciously they wanted to keep it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, Mark had a harder time with it than Aaron did. I feel like he was kind of more on the side of we need to tell somebody, let somebody know. But. I definitely feel like once once he found a way to keep it without, you know, at least he thinks not getting in trouble, then he was more on board of, okay, we can actually do this. We can actually get away with this. Well, and leading up to this point, obviously we know Mark is having this crisis over his job, worried about money, worried about being able to afford, you know, keeping up their lifestyle, their house and all of that. So subconsciously, you know, ooh. This money will really help us with what we're going through. So, yeah. So they decide to keep it. They bring it home. And uh, then when they're home, Erin is starting to feel sick. And she takes a pregnancy test. And it's positive. She is pregnant. But she doesn't tell Mark. (laughs) Again, why? Why? Like, do you not? You just... Don't learn your lesson. Yeah. 
oh, Mark, you know, can't deal with that right now. So I'm just not going to tell him. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. So now that they are back with all this money, they need to figure out what to do with it. And so they decide to, well, Mark has some contacts and he gets in contact with Richard, who you mentioned earlier, you know, back from when they first met. He uses Richard as a connection for finding a shell uh, account that they can set up for this money that they have so that they can make it legitimized. They can make it, you know, tax, taxable and just basically that paper trail, make it legal, make it ethical so that they can now have this money and live off of it. So basically the last chapter we read ends up with them going shopping because Erin needs to know the part. And man, would I love to be in her shoes. Oh my gosh. Being able to walk into Chanel and say, I need three outfits and it's you know, I've pictured that montage of, you know, in movies when they're, she's walking out of the dressing room and she's like modeling it and Mark is like, no. And then they're being silly with hats or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, the author definitely got me um, on to go down this uh, rabbit hole of looking at all these Chanel outfits. I literally looked it up online to see if it was actually from, um, I think it was the fall winter collection, mm-hmm. uh, one of them. And then the other one was from their spring summer collection. I was literally looking for these outfits. Really? But it got me going down into like looking at all their fall, like fall, summer, uh, spring collections from different years. And I was like, oh my gosh, somebody just please give me a Chanel shopping spree. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. I, uh, yeah, so jealous. Yeah. You know, Aaron mentioned earlier on that first class flight that how that's how the one percent lives i'm like girl you're the one percent shopping at chanel (laughs) but yeah that's how we end with how far we read they you know nail down these outfits that she's gonna wear when they go to greece greece is where the bank is geneva geneva greece right and um they did all that shopping at the airport and now use they're their own easier. money and right. they use their own money because yep. they have to wait to so that they can wash their money that mm-hmm. they stole or found i don't know however you want to define it and yeah so it ends on their boarding call comes through so we're gonna find out yeah. what happens in the in the end oh very interesting stuff I am interested in seeing how or if everything connects together with, like, her job. Obviously, Eddie plays a part in it. Um, I will say, although towards um, getting towards the middle of the book, um, it did start picking up more. I felt like there was a lot of areas where um, the author is very good at going into detail, But there are times where I felt like she just kept talking on and on about stuff that I was just like, okay, I feel like I get the point. We can move (laughs) on. Like they talked a lot about wedding stuff and all that. And I understand she was like trying to uh, lead up to um, them getting married and going on, you know, honeymoon and stuff. But when I read the description of the book, I think the back of it just talks about them 
basically the very short it just talks about them going to Bora Bora and finding something in the water Mm -hmm. so I thought that was gonna come into play a lot sooner in the book than it did I feel like it wasn't until page I think like 60 or something um when they actually went on vacation so I maybe maybe because I read the description it kind of put me in a weird mindset thinking it was gonna come a lot sooner um so that's the only thing I feel like maybe not so much um my uh preference when it comes to writing is when just all the maybe but again maybe maybe all the stuff she talked about comes into play I think that's the case too I think what the author is trying to do is build up at least in my head You know, at the beginning, well, the very first chapter, obviously, we know something goes down. But then after that, just kind of setting up how great of a life they have, how luxurious, you know, things are becoming. Everything's working out great for them until Mark loses his job. And now that's a reason why this money is so important. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we're going to, you know, there's, it's not the end. You know, they're not just walking away scot-free with this money. So... You know, I think it's just a lot of the morality that, you know, the author was trying to build up of like, okay, there's this perfect life and now we're going to see all the holes that are, or what money can do really Mm -hmm. in relationships, I bet. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm I'm excited for the second half. What was your take, Ree? It was really hard for me to get into this book. It was very slow, to me at least. Uh, like Alyssa said, she went into a lot of detail about things. Yeah. And I did take a lot of notes on it, but like it was so hard for me to want to continue going because how much detail she went into it and it seemed very like unnecessary. Um, So like I literally finished it like before I came here because <laughs> it was so hard for me to like, all right, no, I need to sit down and actually continue reading it. Yeah. But once I did get to the part where they found something in the water, I'm like, okay, it's actually kind of, you know, picking up now and we get more of the bigger details and it's getting, you know, to the point where we get a little bit more clues that we can actually try and piece together. Um, But it was, it was kind of, it was kind of hard for me to get into it. Yeah. Well, we'll see how the second half goes then. Maybe if it just keeps, if the ball keeps rolling and hopefully make it more of a page turner. Yeah, she still has more interviews. Um, She has to interview, I think Holly was the first one released. Um, So she needs to do that one. She needs to interview Alexa when she gets out and Eddie. Yeah. Eddie has something to talk to her about, which... Which is interesting, yeah. yeah. Eddie is, I feel like, definitely going to play a bigger part as we go on. Um, Two really great quotes that I pulled from the first half of the book though, which I was really happy about because I love quotes when something's quotable. It just makes me happy inside. So one of the quotes was, um, always read outside your comfort zone. That's where stories come from. That's where ideas come from. That was a good one. Yeah. I like that one. And I need to work on that because I feel like I do stay in my comfort zone a lot. You know, I really like the thrillers. I like things that just are easy to read. And I was talking to Devin about that. I was like, I feel like doing this podcast, um, not really difficult for me to talk about necessarily, but I feel like I don't know that I have a lot of deep things to contribute to. I mean, literacy is what we're talking about. And, and, uh, I just, I don't know. I feel like people have such deep 
impactful things that they grab from the books of like, this was, you know, this is the deeper meaning behind it. And I'm just like, oh, you know, it's a good book. This, you know, so I don't know. I don't think you have to have that with every book, though. I mean, I feel like I didn't really get that feeling of like really thinking deep about a book until I read um, It Ends With Us by Colin Hoover. So I feel like sometimes you can just enjoy a book. It doesn't have to have some deep meaning. You don't have to really, I mean, books are, it's entertainment, like, and entertainment is just that, like, you're just, you don't have to have a deep meaning behind it. So, um, you just enjoy it and take it for what it is. Yeah, that's true. It's not that deep, Jasmine. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that serious. Stand up. (laughs) Well, I am beatific to be doing this podcast with you guys. Did it was I, another word did in I the skip book. over that word too? <laughs> you did. What does it mean? Be, oh, I said it wrong. Beatific. Beatific. Blissfully happy. Blissfully happy. Yeah. Hmm. I don't Art. know why you can't just say blissfully happy. <laughs> all these fancy words that are just hard to say. <laughs> We're expanding our vocabulary. I promise you I'm not going to remember that I was that like, <laughs> I don't even remember the word that I looked up, Jasmine. I'm definitely not going to remember Visceral. that. Visceral. Vis- viscerally. 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 It was like yeah. one word. That yeah. that was the entire sentence. It's just that one word. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Like, in the book? Yeah. She like, had, like, said something, and then she was like, viscerally. And then it went on to a different sentence. Hmm. Well, I remember my other word of the day, ignominy, ignominy, shame. All right. Well, I have one more quote that I took from it that I wrote down and it was, you know, after this whole ominous stuff happened, but I feel like I resonate with this. The quote was, I have the feeling of being too near to something I don't want to be near to, to something dangerous. I can't quite see what it is yet, but I feel it. It feels close. I feel the trap doors in my mind creaking under the strain of what lies underneath. And to me, that's just like a really eloquent way of talking about anxiety, you know, because I've, you know, obviously dealt with anxiety, panic attacks and things like that. So even though that's not really what Erin is referring to when she says it, I feel like that is a really quotable thing to like describe that feeling of panic or anxiety. You don't really know what you're anxious about or what's behind that door, but you feel like it's dangerous that something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Good quotes. I like those. I yeah. don't, I remember the first one. I actually don't remember the reading the second one. The second one when, was when they were on their way to look at um, if there was a plane crash or a shipwreck. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. So, and and another foreshadowing, basically, of, you know, something bad or dangerous behind that. So that's something in the water, the first half. We're going to go ahead and next week we will be uh, reviewing the second half, the grand finale of it. And we'd love your feedback. So if there's any, if you're reading along with us and you have any thoughts or things that you know, that you felt about it, that, you know, you want us to discuss, 
that would be awesome. We would love to, uh, to talk about that. So, um, please pick up a copy of something in the water. If this interests you, I know we gave a lot of spoilers away for the first half of it. However, we haven't talked about the second half. So hurry up, grab your copy, read the second half, and then come join us in our discussion. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Yes. We hope you're enjoying it. Please send us any book suggestions as well. We are just happy to be here together, though, talking about books. So, yeah. Books, 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 books. Or boats. That makes me think of How I Met Your Mother. I feel like I'm doing a lot of references to pop culture in this episode. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, thanks for joining Books Between Sisters. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Books Between Sisters. If you are a book lover and enjoyed our discussion, we'd love to hear more from you. Please feel free to follow us on Twitter or Instagram or both at BBS underscore pod. You can also send us book suggestions or questions at booksbetweensisterspod at gmail.com. Or if you'd like, you can find us on ko-fi.com forward slash BBS podcast if you want us to buy us any coffee, books, or just donations of any kind.